You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Been on the mound for the Astros, right-hander Justin Verlander, 5-1, ninth in the AL with a 2.86 ERA and eight starts, as Verlander has gotten four wins in his last five starts. You know all about the stuff, the mid-90s fastball and all those other pitches, seven top five Cy Young finishes for Justin Verlander three times he's been second in that award and one time winner as well plus a league MVP and he's been brilliant since he's been a, a Houston Astro that's why they extended him two more years past this one now the pitch breaking ball grounded left side to his left Bregman he vacuums it up throws to first in time to retire Pence and in the inning Verlander works around a two out walk and after a half inning Rangers nothing Astros coming up one out of no one on for Jose Altuve batting 238 325 on base percentage nine homers 21 RBIs for Altuve here's a 2 2 swing and a bouncer softly hit left side charging and barehanding is Cabrera the throw to first not in time Guzman doing a full on split at first base but Altuve beats it out. Altuve just too fast. Now A.J. Hinch Jeremiah Randall are going to take a look at Altuve on first base. He'd look like he was limping a little bit running down the first baseline. Really had to run hard to beat out that that dribbler to third to get the base hit. And obviously something seen that concerned manager and trainer and Jose Altuve is coming out of this game. Yeah. It didn't look good and took him a long time to slow down after he reached the bag. So Altuve coming out of this ball game. Verlander with both hands on the glove as he looks over that glove for the sign. Here comes the 0-1. Off-speed pitch and a spank the other way and it's grabbed by Correa on a hop and he's got it. Bang bang play at first. Correa is filthy. A stab to his backhand on one hop popped up and threw him out. Nobody else makes that play. Nope. Got to have that cannon to be able to complete it and Correa has it in spades. Here's the 2-0. Drives it to right center. A long run for Gallo. He's still running. Is it out of here? It is! He pops it. Left center field. Does it have enough? Into the gap. It's gone! Big time, Curiel. Third home run of the season. The Astros lead two to nothing. It's this one well, right field. Sending back the right fielder, Mazzara. He's on the warning track. Leaps! Does he catch it? No, he doesn't. It's a homer. Back to back. 2-1, and Andrews shoots it to right. It sends back Reddick. He leaps, and he caught it against the wall. A throw to first base. Not in time to double off two. Reddick did it again, crashing into the wall. Took away at least extra bases and maybe more. And a little salute to... The fans who are enjoying this, a lot of the fans taking off their ball caps, holding them up high in the air as Reddick once again shows off that gold glove form. Suna tucks at the bill of the cap before getting back on the rubber. Holds the glove against the letters as he looks into his catcher, Torinos. Two strike pitch. That is on the inside corner for strike three. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros making three consecutive wins as they defeat the Texas Rangers tonight by a final of three to nothing. Ten more strikeouts by Astros pitchers led by Justin Verlander. Eight strikeouts for JV, seven scoreless innings, only allowing one hit. Of course, a lot of good defense. Correa in the hole with that stab earlier in the ball game and that great play by Reddick once again on the right field warning track.
and three clutch home runs for the Astros. One from the seventh hitter, one from the eighth hitter, and one from the ninth hitter. How do you like that? That's a bottom of the order production. Yep. The Astros take the first two games of this series against the Rangers. We're joined now in the Astros dugout that helped by a guy who helped the Astros get things rolling tonight. Jake Marisnik, a home run to get the scoring started in the third inning. And Jake Lance Lynn was, was pitching a really good ball game tonight, but you're able to, to pick up a couple of hits. I know you had to had to feel good to contribute in that ninth spot in the order. Uh, yeah. Um, no, he fell behind me early that uh, that first bat that gave me a good pitch to hit. And uh, I mean, Robbie and Robbie and Yuli there with some big hits there late in the game to kind of kind of give us some cushion. You know, with those guys going deep, Jake, the seventh, eighth, and, and ninth hitters in the lineup, uh, all three of you guys hit home runs. Do you take a special sense of pride, you know, down in the lineup to be able to make sure that you guys contribute before it rolls over again? Um, yeah, I mean, this, that's just kind of a, a testament to this lineup right now yeah. and the way things are going. We're, we're deep. we got guys on the bench that can do it. Um, I mean, one through nine, guys that can come off the bench. Uh, it's, it's a deep lineup, and it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Hey, Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Congrats on the home run and the win. Thanks for having me. Way to go, Jake. There comes a time in everyone's life when talk is cheap and it's time to show up. To get back to the top and build a legacy. If we grind together, we can take it back. Our team. And our city. This is why we play. This is who we do it for. Take it back. For tickets, go to Astros.com slash tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. Greetings from Minute Maid Park, where tonight the Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers in the third game of a four-game series. Astros have won the first two games of this series, including a 3-0 win yesterday. Justin Verlander, seven scoreless, struck out eight. Jake Marisnik, two hits, including a homer, as the Astros have won three in a row in six of their last seven. Rangers have dropped two straight and three of four. Astros 24 and 15 and first place in the AL West five and a half games ahead of the Mariners while the Angels are 17 and 19 they sit in fourth in the West five and a half behind the Astros. It's time for today's pitching matchup brought to you by Houston Methodist the official health care provider for the Houston Astros Houston Methodist leading medicine. It'll be Garrett Cole on the mound for the Astros tonight and Cole has been outstanding for the Astros so far this year leading the American League averaging 13.4 strikeouts per nine innings. Well it's power and control you know even his last game no walks nine strikeouts and that's usually what you see from from Cole and his outings he can execute game plans he can throw four or five pitches where he wants them and it's, he's a tough customer for anybody who faces him. Meanwhile, going for the Rangers, it's an opener. Jesse Chavez getting the start, expected only to go one inning. He's been a reliever all year, although he's been a starter in the past. And Drew Smiley is expected to be the primary pitcher following Chavez. Yeah, the idea is normally that the Astros usually have four or five righties at the beginning of their lineup. And he wanted the opener to face those guys. But now with Altuve out, Reddick in the two-hole, maybe not such a great plan. So we'll have to see how it works out. Smiley. Uh, on the one hand, who's going to pitch the bulk of the innings? Uh, lefty, the Astros have seen him twice. They've racked him both times so far in this game. He hasn't lasted very long. So they're just trying to figure out a way to get him to be more competitive. Keys to the game brought to you by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals on all models. Official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, the Astros have done a, a really nice job with some timely hitting uh, in this series against the Rangers so far. And how about last night? 
three solo home runs against Lance Lynn, who was really good last night going for the Rangers by the seven, eight, and nine hitters. Only the second time that's ever happened in Astros history. Shows you the depth in this lineup. Yeah, it speaks to the depth. You know, it, it, you get production out of the bottom of the lineup. We know that the other guys are going to produce, and last night they happened to not as far as getting uh, runs across the board, but those guys are going to do it consistently. And when he gets things going in the bottom third of the lineup, that's when it really starts to look like the 2017 lineup. No question. Coming up next, we'll go into the coaches' corner, chat with Astros pitching coach Brent Strom, and a little later, we'll hear from Dr. Anna Belcheva from Houston Methodist talking about breast cancer awareness. But now this from your local station. Baseball season is back, and if you're at Minute Maid Park, head on over to the new Love Street Bar behind Home Plate for a wide selection of Carbock beers, including Love Street Blonde, Hopadillo IPA, and the Astros' very own Crawford Bach. Or visit us sometime at the brewery where we're open seven days a week. Learn more at carbachbrewing.com or find us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Crowd trying to help out Verlander. It's a 3-2 count to Odor, who's been sort of a villain in Houston the last few years. Here comes the 3-2. Hits this one pretty well, center field. It's going to be playable, though. There's Marisnik. Camps underneath, makes the catch. Big out for Verlander, strands two. Welcome back, Robert Ford, joined by Astros pitching coach Brent Strom. Astros starting pitchers, some really good performances on this homestand. Last night, Justin Verlander, an, an outstanding outing with the seven scoreless innings, only allowing one hit uh, against a, a pretty good uh, offensive club in the, in the Rangers. And it just seems like Verlander just keeps topping himself, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, we uh, we have something to prove. You know, they, they beat us up a little bit up in uh, up in Arlington, and uh, they do have a good offensive team. Uh, they have they can run six lefties at you, and uh, all of them are quality hitters. So uh, a little bit of payback time. I know the guys were motivated to try and uh, kind of calm down their offense a little bit. They've done very well this year, I think, and uh, so it was good to see. You mentioned all the lefties in the Rangers lineup. You look at Verlander and Cole, Astros, two top starters, very good numbers against left-handed hitters this year. What's, what's, and that was true for especially Cole last year. What's the, what was, what's the key for them in that regard? Well, the general thinking with a lot of left-handed hitters are a lot of low-ball hitters. And as you know, both Cole and Verlander uh, rely a great deal on, on a hoppy, elevated fastball. And in, in such that also then their curveball plays well. There's, there's certain matchups that, uh, that seem to, uh, to work in our favor. And both of them have the weapons with the, with the, with the backspin, hoppy fastball, plus the solid break and stuff below the zone, that's, which seems to, uh, to work in their favor against left-handed hitters. Brad Peacock, really good game on, on Wednesday against Kansas City, going seven innings, pitching very well. And after a rough outing, his, his start before that saw him work out of the windup for the first time in a couple of years. What led to that switch? Well, I th- you know, we were, we were in Mexico and, uh, and we're looking at video and uh, watched just kind of a lack of tempo and rhythm that Brad had. And so all I did was make a small suggestion that we might want to try this. Most of the time when people are spraying the ball or maybe not commanding the ball, a lot of coaches uh, will take away movement. I'm, I'm of the mind to add movement and add, mm-hmm. add, uh, add rhythm to the delivery. And I said, I'd like you to go from the windup. He said, that's fine, but I would like to go over my head, which he had never done before. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's fine with me. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, if you feel better doing that. And I'm just, uh, of course, a lot of prayers went into uh, our, my decision to, to suggest that uh, because you never know if it's going to work, you know. And I had uh, I had spoken to our manager, and our, actually our manager, uh, A.J., had asked me about this countless times. And I think with Peacock's situation, he had had some issues with command in his past. And in his mind, he was uh, fearful that the command issues might come back and might get wild. But uh, he was outstanding, 12 punch outs, and, and, and did an excellent job for us. 
And that's always a tricky part, too, when when working with pitchers is figuring out the, the right time to suggest things and the right moment to, to talk about things. Because a, a lot of times, if depending on the timing, it, it may not be well received, right? Yeah, I, I often get asked uh, the best advice I could give young pitching coaches. And quite frankly, they're a little stunned when I give them my answer. I, I, I actually tell them no when to not to say anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's really easy to dissect and look at every delivery and every pitch. And you did this, you did that. And you need to pick your spots as to uh, when the time is right. And sometimes you just have to sit and grin and bear it and let them find their own way. The best way is obviously what I call guided discovery. When you can make a suggestion and the player discovers it himself, then it takes on extra meaning and has a lot more uh, strength. And this is the case with Peacock and, and with some of the other work that other guys have, have accomplished. Now, when you have a starter like Peacock coming off a rough outing, do you find that sometimes during those four days between starts that maybe the focus is a little more heightened because they, they want to bounce back after after not pitching well the previous time out? Yeah, you see that with some. But then another one like Verlander, who had been pitching very well, he uh, he wanted to add uh, a backdoor slider mm-hmm. uh, in his last out. And he's always looking to get better. And, of course, this is what makes him great possible Hall of Fame uh, pitcher. And so we went to work in the bullpen. He wanted to bring in a backdoor slider to help him with some of the lefties that had he thought the lefties in Mexico were having uh, some pretty good swings again, some Bohr and uh, Calhoun and a couple other people. And uh, and sure enough, he brought it into the game last night, and he got a punch out against Cabrera, his first at-bat, and uh, he couldn't wait to tell me backdoor slider. So uh, very happy for him. So you get it both ways. Some guys are looking for help. Others just constantly want to get better. So we have a, a different, uh, different type of guy. Brent Strom, Astros pitching coach. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Welcome back to Astro Launch, everybody. This is Steve Sparks, and we're – Pleased to have one of the doctors from Houston Methodist. Actually, she's at the Breast Medical. Uh, she's an oncologist at the Houston Methodist Cancer Center. Her name is Dr. Anna Belcheva. Did I mess that up? No, it's perfect. That's perfect? <laughs> yes. I, I've never been told that. Well, you know what? You're here for a very I- important message. So we want to get this out here, and we thank you for coming in. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's get right away. Uh, this is a very prevalent problem throughout the world with women. In, in, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Sure. It, uh, in the United States, uh, one out of eight women uh, would be diagnosed with some type of cancer in her lifetime, and only 15% of those are um, lethal. They're called triple negative, and those are the ones where we're trying to make progress and develop new treatments for. Uh, but the majority of breast cancers are perfectly treatable and should not be a death sentence if diagnosed and treated properly. Why would somebody get a triple negative? Uh, diagnosis as opposed to anything else we don't know that's the biology of the cancer that that we don't completely understand it just seems to have negative prognostic uh, features okay well genetic testing family history is huge with this right absolutely genetic testing is important and should be triggered by any positive family history so patients who have a first degree relative that had breast cancer diagnosed before the age of 50 or before menopause that's considered significant family history patients who had a male relative with breast cancer that is very significant patients who have a family member that is known to carry a gene should get tested for sure and patients who have family members that have multiple types of cancers including a breast and ovarian and a combination okay. of both when should women uh, get tested by their doctor if uh, the family history is significant for any the, of the above yes so so right away if there's a family history if you turn 30 years old before that 
Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. But, but regularly, if you have no family history, how about that? If you have no family history, you don't need genetic testing. You need mammograms starting at the age of 40. Okay. Um, but that, again, depends on the family history because if you had a family member who was diagnosed, for example, at the age of 40, your first mammogram, if this was a first-degree relative, should be 10 years before the age of diagnosis of that relative. You're so your first one should be at 30. Fantastic. We're talking to Dr. Anna Belchava. She's the breast medical oncologist at Houston Methodist cancer center what do women need to do give some women some tips uh, along the way the most important thing to do is to schedule their mammograms and to speak with their physicians about again genetic testing family history and maintain a healthy lifestyle and by that we really mean maintain a healthy weight don't become overweight okay. uh, and exercise exercise moderately every week because that is known to decrease the risk for breast cancer by about 15 to 20 percent nicotine smoking things like that smoking is bad from all kinds of right. <laughs> points including breast cancer yes what about self-testing self-testing yeah. um, we have proven that it does not improve survival so we huh. ask women to be familiar with their breasts obviously if okay. they notice any changes to report immediately but scheduled monthly breast self exams have not really been proven to save lives clinical tests you know that's that's become something very very big with you guys, research and development. What, do you, what have you guys done with that? Well, the only way to make progress in the treatment of cancer is to run clinical trials. That's how every medication that we use nowadays to treat any kind of cancer, including breast, has been developed. So clinical trials are re remarkably important for the advancement of, of science and all of us. Some, some of those clinical tests are, are also for prevention too, right? We have preventive clinical trials. Uh, so women who are considered high risk but have not had a personal history of breast cancer can participate in those and we also have treatment uh, clinical trials where somebody with a diagnosis can enroll how can somebody get in involved or in a clinical testing or how can they get in touch with a, a doctor what do they need to do well what's unique for the Methodist system is that we have seven locations uh, and everybody knows that the one uh, in the Texas Medical Center right. but we have six community cancer centers that are comprehensive and where actually clinical trials are being performed and That's conducted all around the city it's right? in the community Baytown Clear Lake Sugarland Woodlands West and Willowbrook, which is Northwest Houston. Okay. And at those locations, this is something unique to Methodist, is we can actually enroll patients in clinical trials so they don't have to travel to the medical center. They can stay close to home. Is anybody eligible to, be, to do the clinical testing? Well, they need to be referred to the cancer center, and we'll okay. take it from there. All right. That's Dr. Anna Belcheva from Houston Methodist. She's the breast medical oncologist. Thank you so much for this. We're going to get this word out. We're going to keep it going. But uh, thanks for coming in and sharing all that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very special guest, Joey Mellows, is joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at BaseballBrit. And as you might guess from that Twitter handle, Joey is from Great Britain. 0-1, and Mazzara drives this out to right field. Reddick going back on it. Has a play on the warning track, a step, and he makes the grab for out number one. And, Joey, you, first of all, thanks for joining us. And you are hoping to attend 162 baseball games in the U.S., is that right? 162 professional baseball games, yeah, this, uh, this season, Robert. That's correct. And this is, this is game 41 tonight. So major league ballparks, minor league ballparks, independent league parks, things of that nature? Everything, Steve, yeah. Um, I'm just here to learn. So I love the independent stuff as much as the major league stuff. I'm with the Skeeters on Monday, but I've got a four-game four stopover here in Houston, and I've been looking forward to it for a very long time. Awesome. So first time you've ever been to Houston? I've been to Houston uh, twice before, uh, uh -huh. both flying visits, both like one-day visits, basically. So this is my first prolonged period here. 
All right, here's Rugnet Odor, and he hits this one foul back into the screen. So how did you get into baseball as a, a guy from Portsmouth, England? I had to leave England, really, to discover and get into baseball, uh -huh. Robert. I, uh, I moved to South Korea and uh, by accident really saw my first baseball game over in Japan. Uh, I uh -huh. was on holiday there with my, with my parents, and we saw the Oryx Buffaloes play in Osaka against the Chibolotte Marines. It was their opening week, and the atmosphere just, I found it intoxicating. So I went back on my own the next night, like, uh, like the loser I am, and uh, got into it in Korea. <laughs> Swing and a miss at a good slider down and into Odor, and it's nothing at two. Joey, have you found that baseball is one of the hardest sports to learn and, and really appreciate some of the, the subtleties? I love baseball for its richness. You know, mm -hmm. the, the fact every single game I see, I'll learn something new, and I'll see something different. And, you know, the complexity of baseball, the nuances within it, I find, I find that so enriching. Fastball misses outside to Odor. It's, it's one and two. What has been the, the most fascinating part about learning about baseball for you? What's, what have you found most interesting about the game? Well, you know, as a fairly naive uh, English chap just discovering it, I always found it odd that you have these things called the starters and that they have to pitch five innings every game. I never quite understood why. Swing and a miss. Odor goes down on a fastball away. Verlander struck first strikeout, two out. I always, you know, and now you've got the Rays last season bringing in the opener, and that, mm -hmm. that, that to me kind of made sense. That was the kind of questions that I was asking. I was like, well, why does this guy always have to pitch this, and why is the win statistic a thing, and, you know, why are saves valued so much in arbitration processes and things? And, yeah, I, I, you know, I just ask those types of questions, and why don't people like bat flips over here in Korea and Japan? They love a bat flip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people who have been watching the game here in the States for their entire lives ask those very same questions. So. I love emotion, yeah. That's what this sport's all about. You can't celebrate when you do something well. What are we doing here? <laughs> First pitch to Estrubal Cabrera is a, a strike on the outside corner. So how did you uh, come up with this plan to go to 162 professional baseball games in the U.S.? I've been a teacher for 10 years, and I've, you know, believe it or not, listeners have been very sensible. Um, and I just thought it's time to go on adventure. Um, maybe I'll write something about this. Maybe I won't. But... Uh Oh, one, that's a breaking ball inside. I just love learning, Robert, and your country is so huge. It's, uh, I, I think for many people back in Europe, it's a real kind of dream to kind of travel across the USA and see, and see your huge, beautiful, diverse country. And um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position where I can do that at the moment, and I'm going to you know, make the most of each day and just uh, learn and enjoy as much as I can. Well, that's fascinating. We're really glad that you made it to Houston, 1-1. One, one. That is outside. What's your favorite ballpark that you've been to so far? Um, for the trip... I was over in Tokyo, the Tokyo Dome, for the first two games of the MLB season. Each okay. retirement game on the second. Yeah, it was really emotional to be in the in the in the ballpark when when that news filtered out through social media to begin with, and then it was officially announced. But uh, two one is down and in, but Cabrera can't hold up. It's a two two count. How much does it cost, on average, per game at a major league ballpark? Have you found? Because you're 34 years old and you're taking off for a year to go on this adventure. This has to be costly. Yeah, it, it, it has been and it will be. And um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've, I've always worked in boarding schools where my accommodation is, is, is free if I work weekends. So okay. six, seven-day weeks are, I would have worked for the last 10 years and I've always saved that rent. And that's, that's what's helping me. And maybe it will last the summer, maybe it won't. But uh, either way, I'm going to you know, try and make sure I get through 162 games. The exchange rate doesn't hurt either. I don't even know. Because I've lived in Korea. I was living in China recently. I don't even know what the exchange rate is at the minute between the pound. Swing and a miss. Cabrera goes down on strikes, and the inning draws to a close. Well, before we let you go, Joey, tell folks if they want to follow your adventures uh, traveling throughout the United States, seeing baseball games, where can they find you? Sure. It's, it's just on Twitter, at Baseball Brit, and I'm just, uh, you know, on an adventure, learning more about your culture and the regions of this huge country. Barbecue I'm getting into as well, as well as the baseball. So, yeah, you're welcome to follow along. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Joey Mellows from Portsmouth, England, seeing 162 professional baseball games in the U.S. this year.